What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey guys, welcome to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. It is not Drew introing us for today's episode because we have a special episode. Uh, For the first time ever, we are joined by an MLS player. He is a former... 14th overall draft pick from the FC Dallas in 2020, former WAC Defensive Player of the Year, Connecticut Connecticut University and Seattle University, uh, I guess, student, past student, uh, um, and from Manhattan, and is not the oldest person on the podcast. So Josh is still hoping for somebody to come on the podcast that outages him. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Inkosi Tafara. Inkosi? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, looking forward to some great conversation, learning more about y'all and vice versa. So. We're excited to have you. Drew, Josh, I should probably ask you two how you're doing. Uh, so how are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, the weather has gotten pretty crazy, I think, for everybody uh, in, in the U.S. But like here in Georgia, it's all of a sudden extremely windy. It's like back down to 50 degrees. So all this like really nice weather we've been having is is gone, and so that's probably been the the biggest thing in for normal people. But for us soccer people, right, the Super League has been dominating talk for everybody. So that that's really been on my mind a lot, and it's been something that 
I've been talking to my friends about a lot and like, you know, right now Florentino Perez is uh, making a joke of himself over there in, in Madrid, Spain. He's saying some pretty, uh, some pretty stupid and funny things. So that's probably been the, the craziest thing that's going on right now. Drew, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, man. The Super League was a fun spiel. Uh, I got to see that kind of unfold and then fall apart in like 48 hours. So that was wild time to see but yeah semester is almost up man we got finals going on i learned how to hold a bottle before the podcast today as i learned how i was holding a bottle wrong my whole my whole life as a 21 year old but yeah it's been going good man getting ready to wrap up the semester super got to watch an mls for the first time this past weekend so it's been it's been a good week almost almost semester happy to be here glad you guys are having good wake good weeks here in toronto it snowed so we're having a good time in mid-april uh but other than that, got an exam tomorrow, so hopefully I don't do terrible on that. Uh, and then an exam next week, and I'm done for the f- winter semester, and then I got a spring course, so yay. But let's stop talking about us, because we don't matter. Instead, <laughs> we should dive into why you're really here uh, in COSI, and that is the BPC. So why don't you start off sort of giving us a bit of a brief overview as to how the BPC sort of formed last year and really why the players wanted to create an organization to start pushing for racial equality uh, in the U S and in Canada. Yeah. So uh, this was probably mid March uh, around April, roughly when the pandemic was kind of starting um, uh, within the wake of George Floyd and Justin Morrow had, uh, reached out. He started like an Instagram group chat with just a, a lot of the other black veterans of the MLS throughout the league to kind of express their displeasure, but in a way in which uh, they can get active about it and um, how they could uh, decide to maybe change things. Um, they, they were in a position of power. They all have uh, a voice. We all have a voice to some extent, um, uh, but we're stronger together. So then, yeah, he he came up with this I guess the general idea, um, and then another another household name within our organization, Quincy Ameriqua, um, who's I'd say pretty outspoken in the the few times I have talked to him. He um, he virtually kind of really wanted to kick it off, start knowing like our own uh, genuine organization, put a name to it, um, and really really get it kick started. So. so I guess maybe sort of bouncing off of that. Uh, when did you join? Were you sort of one of the initial members or was this something that sort of they came and reached out to you like um, maybe closer to MLS's back to sort of let you know what's sort of going on and why, like sort of a bit about the organization, how you can get involved? Yeah, so it was it was my first year last year. Um, so a lot of things were very foreign to me. Um and then along the way, I think it was a little bit before MLS was back in June, uh, maybe a month or so, uh, so probably roughly May, um, I'd say they started sort of a, an email chain and just kind of almost like a game of telephone. Guys uh, finding another guy like, you know, well, what's your email? Uh, we want to get at least all of the black players in the MLS uh, on this email chain so we can sort of broadcast this idea that we have. Um, that's some of like the older veterans of the league we're talking about like Sean Johnson and Tasho Akindele and uh, guys like that so they wanted to they started the email chain then I gave them my email and and then yeah we started JMO pretty much does it all he he's the executive member he really uh, he leads all the zoom calls gets everything going 
but um, yeah, I hadn't reached out. I didn't really know of it um, until it came to me, um, but I was in love with the idea because I'm always trying to get active in any way possible. And certainly uh, at the time last year, I was definitely um, trying to be more active within my community as much as I could. So you mentioned, uh, you know, all this emailing going on and it's sort of kind of filtering through to, to all of you guys in MLS. How do you guys communicate regularly throughout, especially now that you guys are getting back into the regular season, you know, how do you guys keep up that communication with each other in that organization? Yeah. So as I was saying, uh, JMO, the executive member, he'll send out an email, maybe a week, a week or maybe a week or two in advance, depending on how uh, strenuous some schedules might be, depending on games and things. Um, just letting people know, hey, we're scheduling a call for, for example, Thursday at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Because a lot of guys either have games or are in hotels for games, so we do them mostly later nights now. Um, and then he'll he'll send out the email, and then we we all hop on the Zoom call as much of us that can attend at the time. Um, and just like we're doing now, he'll record it uh, for the guys that couldn't attend. Um, and he just drops all the the updated bullet points and such of what we're getting at throughout the zoom call and then any questions comments concerns things of that nature you know how often are you guys communicating is this you know is this weekly that you guys are having zoom calls maybe a couple times a week or you know every other week um, yeah we have them bi-weekly i'd say because uh, everyone with their schedules a lot of these guys have like families i mean i have a family but not a family that i've conjured up of my own um, but yeah a lot of guys have uh, children and things so trying to work around their schedules. Every so often, you know, when one or two guys don't press the mute button and then their kids are screaming in the back. So it's, it's guys are definitely making do with what they can. And I really appreciate that. But um, yeah, so we, we meet roughly bi-weekly during the season, um, maybe a little bit more so often, depending on the type of events we're scheduling or if he needs to really call for an emergency meeting. But most of the time it's scheduled and pretty cyclic, I'd say. Yeah, and when you were talking, you mentioned a lot of players' names like Sean Johnson. Um, is it like mostly player-led or like are coaches involved or like maybe anyone in like the league front office or is it all like a player type gig? Um, yeah, it is an entirely player-led organization. Um, we have had, uh, I'd say, yeah, no, no staff members, no coaches, um, no league uh, representatives of such. It is all, uh, all player-led from start to finish. Some of the youngest players we have uh, that want to be involved and then, some of the oldest black players that want to be involved and one of them recently uh, retired Ray Gaddis, but he's still uh, pretty involved with, with the group as well. But um, yeah, just all players, I think 170 or so, that might be a rough estimate, but uh, somewhere ahead of that, just any, uh, any black player in the MLS who wants to be a part of it um, is more than welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about like how you guys communicate like on different teams and stuff but are there like players within FC Dallas, whether it's like Academy or like senior first team that maybe like in Dallas is like locker room that you guys talk about the BBC a little more. Cause you're there, you know, playing side by side each other all the time. Um, yeah. So this past season uh, in 2020, we had one other member who was um, one of the more veterans uh, throughout the league. He used to play for Philadelphia, Fabrice Picault, who goes by Fafa. Um, good friend of mine, he was recently traded to Houston, but he was, me and him were sort of the more uh, piggybackers of FC Dallas at the time. Um, but then I, after he had gotten traded, um, I then became what was like, I guess, club representative, but like I'm the oldest uh, black player we have on the team. Like I'm only 24. 
Um, and this is yeah, only my second year in the league. So I talk with some of the other guys on the team. Um, there's only four of us actually. Um, so I, I just give them the brief updates if anything's like incredibly groundbreaking, um, anything that they really need to know. But yeah, we talk about it uh, roughly. But yeah, the Super League has been on on the on the tongues for a lot of people. Recently, I can say. What are your thoughts on the Super League? I'm certainly not in favor of it. I don't. Um, I love it. Like the the way I got here is from a good underdog story. I love the grind. Um, I love a good a good underdog story, like how Leicester could go and win the Prem. I'm not even a Leicester fan. They ransacked every team in the league, but how a team like Burnley could beat a first place team like City or United or however the case may be, whatever league it is in. I love um, I love the competition. The English Premier League is one of the most competitive leagues. Uh, but yeah, taking that away and just having like big game after big game, it, it really kind of takes the value away from the game itself. Uh, what European so, club do you support? Because I'm a Newcastle fan because of Miguel Amaran. So I love the underdog too, man. Like what, what's your English club? Do you have an English club? Yeah, because this is going to sound like I'm not an underdog at this point. <laughs> um, there's backstory within it. So I'll start with the backstory to just not seem like an entire fraud right now. But uh, growing up, I liked to just be different and go against all things uh, that my brother did. It didn't really matter. Just whatever he was doing, it's like, let's do the opposite, no matter how difficult it was. Um, so my whole family were Yankee fans. We were just a Met fan, just by myself, a lone Met fan. Didn't know anything about baseball, just went forward. Um, and my brother, he was the United fan. He's two years older than me. So you're seeing where this is going now. Um, I was like, well, we're going to have to be a City fan here. And then, you know, things turned out for the better. Uh, that oil money started hitting. Uh, we started making other big signings besides James Milner when you could start bringing in the Yaya Torres, the David Silva's, the Sergio Aguero's all of a sudden. Um, and it certainly fast-forwarded very rapidly but yeah throughout the super league like i was strongly contemplating i was like i just don't know if i'll be a city fan anymore um and i was for like a couple days i was like well i don't know maybe i was maybe like about to be a dortmund fan uh, i think i was just gonna hop on that bandwagon uh, they got jude bellingham out there and i love what he does he's, he's sensational but they've, they've they've recently dropped out they must have felt my displeasure so they they've recently dropped out so we're, we're in good terms again I'm, I won't say I'm the same way. I'm a, a Spurs fan. And, you know, obviously things have been pretty rough for Spurs. And they, you know, they sacked Mourinho very, very under the radar. Probably a, the best time to do that. But I, so I've already been kind of looking to jump ship. The Super League really, really helps that decision a lot. But it's rough. It's rough being a, a Spurs fan, a Newcastle fan. I've heard he's, he's going to right. Valencia, I think. Mourinho, is this, I don't know if this is true. But Ooh, a teammate be... today told me, um, a teammate of mine from Seville, Spain, like told me he was going to Valencia. That was just... That was just you cool. couldn't be breaking news right now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. We could be breaking, we'll, we'll see. But I, I like the idea of it. It sounded interesting. Um, something that definitely under the radar. So I don't, we will wait on that one. We'll see. See what Mourinho does with Eunice Musa. Sign me up, man. I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? It's he likes a good American player. We'll see what he does. He'll have him playing in the five at the back, but he'll he'll, he'll do well. <laughs> I was a little disappointed, I'll be honest, when you said uh, Jude Bellingham first instead of Gio Reyna when mentioning Dor- Dortmund. But hopefully the Americans don't completely remove you from any sort of 
thoughts in terms of the national team? They, they won't. They shouldn't. They certainly shouldn't. Um, all due respect to Giorena, of course, and all the other young uh, national team members. We have a couple on my team alone. Um, so I, I do pay them their respects. But Jude Bellingham really tore City up. So I had to, I really uh, had to show him his respects, for sure. especially just being 17, playing in the Champions League against one of the greatest managers and one of the best teams in the world. He did. He needed a little bit of respect on his name that he, I guess, already didn't have. But I know I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> we, go, we do different things. That's what we, we just do different things. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you were mentioning young people. So I think it's probably a good time to sort of figure out a bit more about the BPC's sort of future. And I was wondering how much involvement you and the BPC have with sort of youth soccer uh, on a ground level and whether or not you sort of plan to do a lot more with it in the future? Um, yeah, so we have a couple initiatives. Uh, they're working on this one thing with FC Harlem uh, that's kind of in the works. And then it ties into, uh, so we work with a couple other organizations as well, just to really, like um, like I was saying, get that strength of voice uh, projected. So it, uh, we work with the NBA, uh, PA, NBA Players Association, and then as well as the uh, Black Women's Players Association for the Women's Soccer League. Um, so then, yeah, that is kind of something that I guess they wanted to get more involved with, with younger Black girls um, kind of getting their own voice, uh, feeling a representation. I feel like representation is everything. Um, and that's something we talked about early on as well, trying to get more black coaches throughout the league. Um, it hasn't been our main focus with with the youth, with everything that's going on, but it's one of those things that you keep in the back of your mind in any way you can help going forward. Um, you always, yeah, then you always bring it up once ever uh, kind of comes around. But definitely, yeah, we've been working uh, with FC Harlem and their youth programs, I believe. So does that sort of stem into what you're hoping to accomplish uh, in the 2021 season, sort of expand into more of the youth stuff? Or is there sort of a different direction that BBC is hoping to go for 2021? Yes. Yeah, so we have one thing that is uh, virtually set in stone. A couple of other things are still in the air speculative. But one thing that is definitely set in stone is uh, a couple more mini pitch in- initiatives. Um, I don't know if you had seen a few of those. Uh, built throughout America. There was one in New York that I can't wait to get back to um, and actually go visit it. That'll be really awesome to see. Um, but yeah, the different mini pitches that are, were just kind of being built for, like I was saying, uh, the young young kids, not even any young type of uh, black or white, just any young kid that wants to play footy in a, a good environment on a good field. That's really hard to find in a lot of cities uh, sometimes. Certainly in New York, I know it was definitely a challenge to find. So the mini pitch initiatives are something that is more so on the, the front page of what we have going on. And then a couple of other things down the line. We'll see how those uh, conjure up, I'll say. Can you tease anything? Um, can I tease anything? I could, but I don't know if I should, you know, just to, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Um, I'll say, yeah, keep an ear out and who knows if you can... If you're attentive and you wanted to get on, you know, your Sherlock Holmes type of mystery in terms of, you know, just really making some deductions, you might be able to piece some things together, I'll say. That's a very poor teaser, I know. (laughs) 
hey, it's good enough. Anything is good enough. Uh, we're happy if anything is said on this podcast. We're just happy to have you here, to be honest. But uh, there, you watched an initiative last season uh, around jerseys where you sort of did like a jersey giveaway, uh, I believe. Is there anything sort of planned in the future to do more involving kits uh, or anything more involving MLS involving on-field action? Yeah, so the Jersey Initiative is something that I loved a lot, actually. Um, hopefully we can do that again. I'd love to get my own, um, just for my own personal benefit. They were very nice, honestly. Um, I think that's something that, yeah, we were talking about it recently on the last call, and I think like, I could definitely share this. Um, yeah, we were talking about it on the last call and just the success with it, and then maybe if we're not doing jerseys, maybe another uh, article of clothing that um, – we could help raise money, but also fans would, would love to purchase like a good, a good balance there. Um, so going forward, yeah, I'm, I had a couple ideas. It was something that was just brought up really quickly um, in the chat. And they were like, yeah, just brainstorm on this. Think of it. Think about any other ideas we might want to do. Maybe something very similar, virtually the same, or uh, branch out into something different. I had uh, one idea that um, I haven't really fully stepped into yet kind of waiting for the next call to get some maybe permission i guess we'll say um but yeah i wanted to maybe work with like this black owned clothing company to see if we can sort of have a collab with the bpc to some extent um yes yeah, so, so some some things like that so yes that 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 may be in the works um in the coming months possibly for sure yeah yeah, yeah. I am very excited to see what that looks like because uh, I will. The jerseys were really, really cool. Uh, I like them a lot. But have you had any sort of conversations with MLS about potentially wearing those jerseys, like in a game? Obviously, it wouldn't work because they're all black, and you can't really have two teams wearing all black. But sort of something along those lines of like a jersey collaboration in honor of um, some sort of set date where the entire MLS wears these kits. Um, we have not, but incredible idea that I'm all for. Um, yeah, we have not as of yet. I know there's always kind of a, a big hubbub about different types of jerseys. They want things to be um, pretty spot on. And a lot of things have to be approved uh, with advertisements and other things along the line. So, um, but I'll, I'll slide that in there on the next call. I like that one. That is, yeah, that is a good idea because um at the very least it'll raise more money and i know the mls and the owners like money so yes <laughs> i was just about to say the the parley kits always seem to be so popular i know especially here in georgia and atlanta those things fly off the shelves really fast i have no doubt that i uh you know a special a black players collective you know black players for change kits would do the same and like you said, raise money. And I'm sure, hopefully, if that idea comes to fruition, you can turn that money around and, and help out, you know, a bunch of local areas and all that sort of stuff. But I wanted to ask you, Nkosi, you've been all over the country from New York, spent time in Connecticut, in Washington, Seattle. Now you're in Texas. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I noticed kind of trying to learn more about you before we, we hopped on this interview when we found out we were going to be interviewing you. I just wanted to know how your time all over the country has sort of shaped your desire to be so vocal about social justice issues. Cause just one look through your Twitter and, and you can tell that you're really active on this front 
which is great, but I just wanted to know sort of how, you know, experiences in your life have, have led to that. Yeah. Um, great question. Love it. Um, yeah. So I'd say, I don't know, kind of growing up and then maybe the, the nature of my situation along with the nurture that my parents had given me within the household. Um, it was kind of something that was, it was always known. Um, my mom always really made sure I'm like, not that I knew I was black, but just kind of um, through a pride essence, but also like, you know, there, there's certain things that you might not be able to do because of the color of your skin. Um, and that at a young age, it's just like, what is like, what is this woman talking about? I, I don't know. Uh, you kind of brush it off. You're just like, let me go play FIFA. Like, just, all right. Come on. Um, but then, yeah, as I got older and then I started really, maybe not thinking about it, but these moments actually did start to happen. I still was like, eh, because you don't really want to listen to your parents that much. Um, but yeah, I, she always told me that I was a very outspoken uh, individual. She liked to compare my brother and I, he was more of the uh, Martin Luther King, I guess. And I was the Malcolm X, the militant one, uh, very outspoken, very sturdy and strong in his beliefs. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say just as I got older, I wanted to not only um, not do it for myself or really, but make it better for the next generation after me um, because they're, because I mean, I don't know, that's what my parents did for me. That's what I felt a lot of people did um, in my area that knew at the same time. I didn't grow up in a predominantly black neighborhood. It was mostly Caucasian uh, and with my high school as well. Um, and most of the teams that I've played on, I have been the only black person on the team in high school, uh, throughout middle school, all my club teams. Um, and then, yeah, even in college, not at the University of Connecticut, we had a lot of Africans on the team, which um, was very good. That was just kind of where they chose to recruit from. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, one of the things that uh, kind of just started to maybe not hit home, but I wanted to focus more on it because it is, it is a really big issue. So it's like, yeah, I know how unfortunate it is to be discriminated against. Um, so like, I, I like to help uh, anyone who is, I guess, being discriminated upon because I know really how unfortunate it is. Um, that's why I'm wearing this shirt so I could we're already here talking about the BPC, so I knew this would be a predominantly black conversation, but now I would have normally worn a Black Lives Matter type shirt, but that is the context of the conversation. So I wanted to put on for some of the ladies out there to let them know that we're thinking about them. Um, and then other things like, yeah, fighting for like the Asians and the Stop Asian Hate movements and other things, small things like that in any way I could help. Because um, like I said, always it's strength in numbers. That's, that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to bounce off that for our listeners. Um, he's wearing a feminist shirt, as you're talking about, love for the ladies. And you mentioned the um, NWSL, the Black Women's Player Collective. I think we love NWSL on the show. It's awesome. We don't have a team in Toronto or Atlanta, but we're getting there. The league's expanding, and we're excited about it. So how do you guys work with NWSL? Like, I know Mitch Purse is a very predominant player, super good, very active on this. But how do you guys work with NWSL and that Players Collective over there? All right. So me personally, and actually a lot of the players within the organization don't directly work with the players in their organization. Um, and I'll say, since we're talking about this now, I would love for that to change. I feel like there could be um, some extent to where maybe we had a joint Zoom call because um, that's pretty simple. Um, but I feel mostly it is we have 11 
current executive members um, in the BPC, but we also fall under the Players Coalition that kind of helps all of us uh, to some extent. So like some of the Dallas initiatives that I find, I don't really go out and find them. They, um, I pretty much told them to like, send me anything Dallas related regarding the topic and then I'll go out and I'll just get active. It, I don't really care what it's in. I'll just get active. I don't care. I'll just go. Um, so I don't work directly with them. However, I would love for that to change so we could get, uh, so I can know more about them, how I can help. Um, it's hard, like, if you don't really know people, you don't know, I guess, not what they need, but what they would like uh, assistance in. But I feel, so like our executive members probably, actually, well, they do talk to their executive members, but um, some of the smaller, I mean, yeah, with the 170 plus members we have, I don't know how many they have either. Uh, we don't have uh, any direct connection, especially with our only bi-weekly calls. But that is something that I definitely would love to change, honestly. Yeah, and I think earlier you talked about some of the leaders that started the organization um, and are kind of leading this at the league level. I think you mentioned Justin Morrow. But what are some of the guys, whether it be in Dallas's um, organization or just MLS across teams, but like what are the guys for you personally that you look up to in the BBC that are kind of leading for you? Um, so one definite household name, first one that comes to mind, uh, before I even knew of his uh, correlation within the BPC, I was like really impressed with how he played, um, loved his style of play it was Mark Anthony K. Um, he was one of the guys that yeah, he just smooth on the ball. Um, and in another life, I would have loved to be a six. Um, but you know, we'll, we're just, we're here at center back. We'll, we'll deal with that as we do see fit, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, getting to know him just through a few zoom calls and kind of his messages throughout chat rooms and things, he's even better person. Uh, than he is a soccer player, which definitely says a lot. Um, another one who's a really cool guy who I've just heard his name through the grapevine, uh, Jeremy Obobese, I think is his last name. Is how it's pronounced. Um, he's another one who really headlines a lot of the hard work that's done, certainly in a, a pretty big and important city like Portland uh, as well. He's one of the, the more household names. Um, and then, yeah, Sean Johnson's another one with uh, Ray Gaddis, Quincy Ameriqua. These are like a lot of the guys that have strong say, Bill Hamid um, within within the organization. But I'd say, yeah, Mark Anthony Kay was one of the ones um, that I was just looking up to from a soccer perspective. And then getting to work in the same organization with him is definitely pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool to hear you say to people who are very involved in Canada and Morrow and Mark Anthony Kay, like Kay is from Toronto, went to York University, who's in Toronto as well. And I like, it's it's great to hear how international it's becoming and how it's not just focusing on the U S it's also focusing on Canada because racism is a global issue. It's not just an American issue. Um, but we are running out of time. And so Josh, I saw you had a question, so I'll let you ask your question. Then I'll ask a few wrap ups, uh, sort of fun things, but do you have anything? Yeah, I was just, um, you mentioned center back there briefly and Mm -hmm. you know, I was just curious what the transition was like from, college to you spent some time at North Texas SC last year, uh, the USL affiliate for Dallas. And then now looks like you are breaking through into the first team. So what has this transition been like, especially it's now been basically year after year after year consecutively. And just to top it all off, a pandemic's been thrown in the middle of this. So what have those transitions been like for you? Okay. Before I answer this, I forgot one of my closest, actually in my closest Canadian, Richie Larea, 
Uh, that's the homie. I definitely had to shout him out and he would have been a little tight if I didn't. Um, so yeah, transition was, all right. So in college, um, my freshman year at UConn, I'll try and keep this a little quick brief. Uh, my freshman year at UConn, I, well, I redshirted. I kind of just came in as a miscellaneous player. There was times in training I was playing outside mid, uh, playing like outside back, playing winger, whatever the case. And then my sophomore year, um, they were sort of structuring me more back into being a center back. Um, but then that whole year, I ended up playing the nine, uh, like off the bench, religiously. Um, didn't I maybe played one, one, one or two games at center back. Um, and then the year after that was my first season of like playing consistent games at center back. And then the following year, I hadn't played. So then I was like, okay, I want to transfer or go somewhere where I can play. And that was when I went to Seattle. Um, so I kind of only had those two seasons of center back, like in my back pocket with experience and things. So I was learning um, one of my biggest, like being less athletic and more tactically aware. That was one of the things like you can't just, you can't just be fast and strong all the time. There's guys who are smart that, that know that. Uh, that was an unfortunate lesson I had to learn. Um, but then, yeah, being introduced from college into the professional atmosphere, um, I loved the struggle of it because I'd say the first couple of weeks, maybe the first couple of months, um, it was everything was moving too fast for me. Um, and it was very unfortunate, but like I loved, like I loved it. It was very weird. Um, to the point where like, yeah, there's guys flying at me and I want to take a touch, look up, pick my head up and then maybe do a uh, like a line breaking pass. But by the time I want to do that, I'm already being tackled. And it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. We're trying to get a contract here. We're trying to, whatever the case may be. Um, so that was like, that was incredible. It was like, yeah, my first three weeks, I was keeping a, like a training log of all the sessions we had double days and everything, things that I did good, things that I maybe did not do good, but things that I could work on better. Um, and I'd say probably after the third month that I was there, I felt I was up to speed in the sense of making normal mistakes, no more like college mistakes. Um, and yeah, that took some time, uh, took a lot of, I guess, honesty within my game. I try to be honest with myself at all times possible. Or else it'll be really unfortunate or really tough to be successful. Um, but yeah, that, that struggle was the pandemic. They kind of threw that in there too. Uh, I don't really, I mean, I don't really give myself any, any slack. It's like, everyone's going for it. Um, it's not like, Oh, I had this whole season and there was a pandemic. Everyone, uh, everyone was going through it. So it's no, added uh, negativity to that extent. Um, people were actually a lot worse off than I was. And to be honest with you, 2020 was probably the best year of my life. I mean, I got to sign a professional contract, which was like a lifelong dream at the time. Um, so it was, uh, it was definitely tough to deal with. We had uh, certain trainings that like we trained for like maybe a month um, after I had officially signed as like a full team. Um, and then they, yeah, they disbanded the league. Everything stopped. I was training, uh, in a movie theater parking lot, like in, like on a grassy knoll in the front of, uh, like an AMC, just cause they had like a large wall that I could kick the ball off of and do like passes with, cause they didn't want us training with anybody else before we really knew a lot about, uh, the virus. So that was, uh, an adjustment, but I mean, yeah, in my summer before going to Seattle, that's kind of what I was doing anyway, training by myself, uh, getting ready to try and get a contract. So, um, yeah, now that I feel I'm up to speed, um, better mentally, uh, I know a lot more about the game, different ways of how 
teams and players like to play a lot of things that I wasn't educated in at a young age uh, that I kind of had to learn later on. So I felt it was minor setbacks, but um, yeah, really loved, loved the struggle. All right. And I'll wrap us up with a couple of sort of fun questions. Uh, hopefully you get a little heated because one of them might get you a little heated. Number one, you mentioned FIFA. What are your thoughts on your FIFA card? Um, great question. I think right now it's like, it's where it should be. I haven't made my debut yet. Um, I'll make a, I'll make a strong statement here. That'll happen this year. Um, but I think it's where it should be because I haven't played. I think after I start playing, it needs to be changed. That, 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 yeah, is what I'll say. Um, and I'll let that sort of, I mean, yeah, they have my pace pretty low. Like to, it's like, I'm definitely not that slow. Um, but you know, it's okay. They have like, it needs, it needs work. It needs work. It needs work. All right. Do you have your player card? I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. Wait, is it like a baseball card? Or is it like, because I've seen those guys hold like massive pieces of cardboard. Or is it like a physical thing? My, my FIFA player card or like my, my tops player card? like the Your FIFA player. Oh, both of them. Go with both of them. Many members of my family have the tops version, which I did not know existed. <laughs> that was something. Um, that was actually shocking to me. But I do have my FIFA card. And it is sensational. It is by far the best card uh, I have ever used. And yeah, this was maybe not as cool as signing a professional contract, but like maybe like if that was a 10, this was like a 9.7. Like when I go into <laughs> games and I'm just bullying dudes with a 99 rated card, um, that's better than any icon they have. It's, it's very cool, honestly. Who do you pair yourself with? Um, the FIFA GOAT, Ico Parra. Like FIFA goat. That rule breakers card is unbelievable. Um, so I'm trying to the way that uh EA Sports puts hella respect on Ico Para's name, we're trying to just be the next FIFA Ico Para. Fast and strong, and that all the the sweaty kids out there like to use my my FIFA card. That is that's, <laughs> the, that's the goal in the dream. Uh, amazing great answer final one and this came a little bit from my stalker work okay what was it like meeting kobe bryant and what do you remember from meeting him okay lovely lovely question um he had an aura about him that was different than any other it's like i don't know yeah there was a strong presence uh of a man of a different type of man. It was, it's hard to hard to necessarily explain, but there was yeah all the all the things that uh, I would like to strive to be in a person like a, a very confident but not cocky, um, earnest but yeah very cool dude like really down to heart. Um, when I had met him, um, I definitely would say I like I kept it cool in my head. It's like yeah, this is Kobe Bryant right now. Like this is definitely happening. Um, but yeah, when when we were talking, I didn't want to. It was probably maybe around May or so. Um, I was just like, yeah, this guy definitely. I mean, he plays basketball. Obviously, um, everything he does is basketball related. But uh, so I started asking him. I was like, yo. So as you do your soccer work, I was like, hey, um, heard you're a big soccer fan. Um, how do you feel about the upcoming Champions League? Who do you think's got it? Um, and he's got a lot of influence 
within the Italian community just because of his father and different things. So he was more so rooting for the Juventus aspects. I don't think AC Milan was doing as hot as they are now. Um, but yeah, he was, yeah, he was very, very cool. And then we were just chit-chatting soccer. Um, not a, not a lick about basketball. Cause I mean, I don't know. He probably talks about that all the time. So, uh, but soccer was a, was the topic at hand. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, and I think with that, unless either of you have a follow up to that unreal Kobe story, thank you for joining us in Cozy. We genuinely, if we're over the moon that you were willing to do this, uh, take the time to come on our little podcast and just talk a bit about uh, a really important organization in the BPC and some of your journey in soccer. Um, so thank you. We genuinely, really, really, really appreciate it. But with that, that is the end of this podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you did tune in, uh, we'll have another episode, real episode, uh, where we'll dive into the entire world of soccer, uh, hopefully this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. But without further ado, Black Lives Matter and peace. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. This episode was brought to you by Earth Echo Foods. Use code MINUTE15 for up to 15% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.